Facebook page or you saw the marquee this morning, you saw that the thought or the focus today of this next few minutes we have together, I entitled The Purpose of a Gift. The Purpose of a Gift. You got a gift. Why did you get it? What are you going to do with it? What's the significance of it? Do you place value in that gift? Is it important to you? Did it rock your world? This past week, as most of you know, the war in Iraq has officially been declared over. It's not over. With our presence removed, the terrorists will set up a new camp. There'll be another bin Laden. There'll be a new leader. The Bible says, when they shall say peace and safety, then shall sudden destruction come upon them. But it was such a heartwarming week every morning to watch headline news honor our soldiers and honor their return. And they deserve to be honored. They deserve to be to, to, to be adored and respected. That They've laid down their life for us because they went there, bombs aren't here. Because they went there, chemical warfare is not here. And we and we we brag on our we brag on our, 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 our the four groups of service that God has blessed us with and we have veterans here in the building that we honor every chance that we get. But watching this week as uh, they would do different things to surprise the family, on several occasions, I don't know if you saw any of them, but dad would get in a box and they would deliver the box to the front door. How many saw that that one? Then at one at one kid's school they brought a brick box for him to open and his mom stepped out. How many saw that? And I thought, how, how appropriate for the message this morning because when they opened that box, Josh, they had no idea that dad was in there. They had no idea that mom was in there. And over that box, they were, they were so surprised and, and certainly tears of joy and, and tears of comfort knowing that mom and dad was back where they were supposed to be. And then I thought about, I thought about a gift that I received a few days ago that I didn't realize the importance or the, or the focus of that gift. Uh, yesterday, I went out to the ranch uh, to check on the guys, and uh, Taylor and some of the kids were out there fishing, freezing cold weather, and they caught a little minnow. It's a little picture of it, posted on Facebook, a little, little minnow. And, um, and while we were visiting a few minutes, Taylor said, did you see the, did you see the, the bush in your, in your office? And I said, yes, I did. Thank you. Well, I had no clue uh, what, what the bush meant, but I did go in my office a Friday and see this. And I said, who in the world brought that into my office and what, what, what in the world? So I started to throw it away, but for some reason I did not throw it away. And then this morning Taylor mentioned, did you see the, did you see the gift I got you? And I said, yeah. I said, what's the significance of it? He said, oh, you didn't you see on it? And what he has done, he's taken in fine um, uh, engraving, he has put things like hope, trust, father, family, faithful, Hank Davis. I mean, who would have thought that you could take a little bush like that and just be motivated to, this is what I call a guy with too much spare time. A guy with too much spare time. But what a great, what a great thought. What a great, and you know, had I not, had I not known that, uh, and if, I would have thrown it away without no, no realizing how important this was, how he took time to do this for his pastor. I remember one year, Chris and Susan gave me a real, a real cool um, a gift card for Sports Unlimited. And we, got, we went through all the wrapping, and I usually make sure that we don't throw any directions away. I make sure. 
But somehow that morning we threw that card away. And I, I placed so much emphasis on that card that I went back outside of the trash can, took all of the wrapping out, took everything out, went through all the, all the Christmas, one piece at a time, did not find it, go back in the house, and Pastor Ron said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I lost that gift card. She said, no, it didn't. I put it on the nightstand so you wouldn't lose it. So only, only at Christmas time do things, like that, do things like that happen. But I thought about this morning, if you've been with me for the past 22 years, you will know that usually this Sunday is a sermon that I preach if Christ had not have come. What would life be if Christ had not come and given his life and all the things that that's, he's provided through the blood? But this morning I want to focus on this thought, probably the most powerful statement ever made, the most wonderful sentence ever written, the greatest truth in the entire Bible, and hopefully all of us know it that we don't need to look at John 3.16. But the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but should have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And what a great God that we serve. I mean, the, 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 the greatest God gave us through the greatest love the greatest gift. And when you think about unwrapping things the next few days, there is nothing more significant there's nothing more powerful than the gift that God gave to us. God sowed a son into us. He did not have a family. He had one, he had one son, and this, the king of glory decided to come to earth and take on the form of man. And God, God took a risk on us. God took a risk on mankind. God took a risk. that there were, there, There's times in the Bible we find the whole world in Noah's day was polluted. The days of Sodom and Gomorrah were polluted. The Bible says in the last days, the days would be polluted. But there was a remnant that God had his eye on, and there was a remnant that God cared for, and there was a remnant that God gave everything he had through his son. And aren't you glad this morning that you are a part of that remnant? Aren't you glad this morning you are the very ones that God gave his son for? And we accept that gift. We realize the importance of that gift. We cherish that gift. We defend that gift, and we share that gift. Does that help anybody? You are this morning, we've been, we've been called Jesus in the flesh, and, but God has wrapped you this morning in three things. I, this, is, this is just something I felt like God wanted you to know, that when God created you, he wrapped you in character, he wrapped you in dignity, and he wrapped you in destiny. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of our lives. And we read Psalms 119, we find that before we were in our mother's womb, we were somewhere, but before we were in our mother's womb, God began to plan for us. And God began to finance, and God began to trust, and God began to bring things into our life. Even before the foundations of the world were, were, were put together, God was thinking about you. The Bible says if he knows when every sparrow falls, if every hair falls from your head, if he knows all of that, how much more does he know what you need and what you want, and then goes to great effort to provide it? Somebody, if they would say, praise God in this place. When I think about gifts... And I think about the, all the gifts that will be under the tree, and I think about how we did our shopping, and I don't want to spoil it for Christine. I don't see her in her, so I think I can... Don't spoil it. She's not here, is she? Oh, sorry, she's here. I cannot share how we went about the girls' Christmas, but it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we, went, we went up to stuff we thought they needed, stuff we thought that they would enjoy. But when I think about gifts under the tree this morning, I told Pastor Rhonda, I'm completely out of cologne. She said oh, go in that dealer's bag, and uh, there's cologne there for your Christmas. Just take it out, use it, put it back in, and I'll wrap it. I go, 
What kind of what kind of surprise is that? What kind of gift? What kind of gift is that? Um, well, you the, we use a dealer's bag to hide a lot of things, but I don't know how much that we hid. But I did not. I chose not to go, and I found some other cologne somewhere in the drawer, so I use that because I I want to be I want to be surprised, and I will act surprised when I open it. Oh, cologne! This, how did you know? This is just what I needed. But when I think about the, the gifts that God gave man, the Bible says that when Jesus went to heaven, before he went to heaven, he made arrangements and he gave gifts unto men. And if you look at your hand, there's five things on your hand that represent the five gifts that God gave you through his son. The first thing that God gave you, and if you look at your thumb, was the gift of an apostle. And when, when God established apostle in your life, God established government. We know that the, the word of God is full of government. These, these are the things, these are the things that, that you can do, and these are things that you don't want to do because of who you are in Christ Jesus. When you look at the finger that points in your life, that represents the gift of the prophet. And the purpose of the prophet is to guide. Thus saith the Lord. This is the way walking in it. Thus saith the Lord. This is what's going to happen in your life. When you look at the longest finger on your hand, that represents the gift of the evangelist. And what the evangelist does is gather. He throws out a net. He tries to bring the lost in. He tries to bring people to the Lord. The weakest finger on your hand, which is your ring finger, that is the gift of a pastor. The purpose of the pastor is to guard the flock, to make sure no wolves get around the sheep. The smallest finger on your hand is the only finger you're supposed to stick in your ear. And that represents the gift of a teacher. And that is to bring grounding into your life. That's so that there's not false doctrine. There's not false, there's not false faith. But you have someone in your life that studies the word of God to teach you. So watch this. You've got an apostle. You've got a prophet. You've got an evangelist. You've got a pastor. And you've got a teacher in your life that God gave you those things. I mean, how cool, how cool is that to wrap an apostle and put him under your tree so there's government in your life? How cool to wrap a prophet and put him in your life so there's direction in your life? How cool to put someone in your life that wins the loss for the Lord, not afraid to witness to anybody, share, preach anywhere. Can anybody relate? How cool to put a pastor in your life that would watch over the flock with a double-barrel double shotgun, making sure no wolves, hello. And how cool to have a teacher to teach us the things that we're reading. The eunuch could not understand. He goes, that Philip said, what are you doing? He said, I'm reading the word of God. He said, well, what do you think? He said, well, it's deep. I don't understand it. So Philip got up and began in that, in that chariot there, began to teach him the word of God. The Bible, the Bible tells us that, that eunuch got saved. History says almost all of that nation got saved because of one guy. One teacher impacted that eunuch to such a degree that he went back. And Mary, Mary at the, uh, at the, the, woman, at the, the woman at the well, Jesus gave her such sound doctrine concerning who he was and the purpose for her. She went back to the city. The Bible said half the city believed just because of her testimony. What amazing God, what amazing gifts that he's given us. When I think about gifts, I think about Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, and I cannot help but line up in the secular world this series, and I believe I have all of them, but the last one, if you want to get it for Christmas, it just came out. If you want to get it for me, you can. It's Smallville. I am a Smallville fan. I am a Clark Kent fan. But you'll notice that, that Superman did not come to this world mature. He didn't come to this world all, all, all that in a bag of chips. He came as a baby because there are things that we receive in our life as a baby. I panicked last night. I didn't have my glasses on. I went to Facebook, and I saw Courtney with the tiny little baby. I go, whoa, where did that come from? And then I put my glasses on and realized it's somewhere in LJ. But there's something about 
there's something about a baby. Women of hope, my children, the truth. I don't think they could even walk because you guys won't let him walk. You hold him everywhere he goes. He has no, there, there's something about a baby that brings instant acceptance. Did you notice that? I mean, a baby cries, we don't care. A baby, a baby turns something, we don't care. We love, we love things that are precious, that are soft, that are cuddly, that are cute. And that's how God sent his son. Not as, as some kind of know-it-all, not as some kind of dictator, not as some kind of God to lord over you, but God sent his son as a gift in the form of a child. I love that song that says, Mary, did you know? Probably one of my favorite songs of all time. That when she took, she took a risk of being stoned, she took a risk of losing her life, Joseph had the right to stone her. But you know what, Joseph, when Mary told Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant, you had nothing to do with it, no man has touched me. You know, you know what Joseph did? He didn't go get wasted. He didn't go get drunk. He went to sleep. He slept on it. Come on. A lot of times things happen in our life. I've got to do something. I'm, I'm a knee jerk. I've got to make this happen. Sometimes God says, you know what? Why don't you just rest on it for a while? Why don't you just, why don't you just ponder on it for a while? And in the night, in his sleep, the angel woke him up and said, Joseph, it's okay. Mary is telling the truth. But, but Mary risked everything knowing that people are going to say, well, she's pregnant. She's, she's, she was never married. Because everybody does the math. Did you ever notice that? Everybody, help me, in your life, when someone gets married and they tell you, oh, she's three months pregnant. See, she got married in January and she's three months pregnant in February. Oh, I know. how she, Come on, help me. Everybody always does the math. But aren't you glad that when Mary said, be it according to thy word, she activated that, that word of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And Pastor Billy did a great job on that a couple of weeks ago. If you didn't get that teaching, you need to get that in your spirit. A great, a great word about how God wants to overshadow you and birth things in your heart and birth things in your spirit. We got a real strong word from Pastor Billy yesterday morning that talked about the baby in the womb to, to, to guard that baby. That baby is going to be birthed. This thing is going to happen. What God is saying, the city is going to take place. Don't, don't abandon the baby. Don't abort the baby. Feed the baby. Take care of the baby. Eat what you're supposed to eat. Do what you're supposed to be doing to take care of what God has given you. Am I talking to anybody in the building this morning? When I think about uh, Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And there again you see John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that Isaiah 9 and 6 says that we are going to be given a son. And then it talks about the six attributes in our life that's going to bless us because of this gift. Are you ready for this? Now, I try to think of six blessings of cologne. Then I try to think of six blessings of this watch that I'm wanting real bad at K. And then I thought about another gift that I have a feeling I may, I may get under the tree. But when I think about that, that gift I'm getting, None of, those, none of those gifts are really all that phenomenal, all that outstanding, all that, that I would write six things about them. But look what God gave you and six things that you can realize when you accept Christ into your, into your heart. The Bible says that this child that I, I will give you, the government shall be upon his shoulders. I'm telling you, we're living in a very scary age. We're living in a very scary day. The Bible tells us all the way through the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, that there will be a one-world government. There will be a mark that will identify you as a taxpayer. There will be things that will happen, things that will transpire, things that will take place. There have been people in our life. I shared with you that I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at a great church. And a, and a guy came up, obviously a, a military, ripped, 
nice, nice attitude, great, respectful, just a, a sharp man. He said, he said, if you want to know about my credentials, just talk to the pastor. And I, I began to, he said, I want to tell you some things because you touched on prophecy tonight. I want to tell you some things. He said, I'm a, I'm a special force ranger, and we were called to a mission in Atlanta, and we were supposed to transport something top secret from one place to another. And in this transporting, somehow one of these containers fell over, and in this container was a guillotine. And I said, and you're telling me this because of why? He said, because the Bible says in the last days that if you don't accept the mark of the beast, that one of the tools that the enemy will use in the last days is to separate your head from your body. The state of Georgia is one of the states in, in the nation that allows a death row condemned in, inmate to give their organs at the time of death. They give their organs, they give their skin, they can give what, what, whatever body parts they want. They can give everything away if they want to science. But the bad thing about electrocution, help me, electrocution, the bad thing about that, it destroys all the body parts. It destroys. So the state of Georgia has guillotines so that if you're, if you're condemned to die, then you can be with a guillotine. However, they had 20 of these guillotines. They have not executed anybody in the past 18 months. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? I mean, there's things happening that are way too horrific for you and I to grasp. There are things happening right now in the world that we cannot, we cannot, we cannot conceive. When you think about a little pregnant mom strapping 30 pounds of plastic explosive to her body and walking to a daycare in Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland, and pulling the detonator and killing herself and 15 or 20 babies and all the teeth. You and I cannot grasp that. We cannot grasp the, 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 the hatred that the world has against the Jew. We can't grasp that. But their children, when they were raised as little children, they were taught that the Jews are dogs, the Jews are pigs, and they all need to be annihilated. And those of you that will allow me, I have 10 minutes, so I'll tell you a prophetic word that I believe is going to take place. I do not believe there's anybody right now that can defeat Mr. Obama. I don't believe there's anybody running that can do it. I, you, know that, you know that Barack was not his birth name. How many knows that? That was not his birth name. He changed his name to Barack because he's a Muslim. Mr. Obama's plan, if he's reelected, is to split Jerusalem in two. He, it's his, he believes it's his purpose in life to create a Palestinian state. And the, and the Bible says, in the last days, there will be a battle over Jerusalem. That Jesus will put his foot on the Mount of Olives, and a river will flow from his foot. The Dead Sea, the Dead Sea will come to life again, and Jerusalem will become the most powerful city in the world. All those things are prophesied. If Mr. Obama is elected and he tries to bring in this one world currency, which we're working on right now, by the way, there's a reason why Europe is going bankrupt. There's a reason why Australia is bankrupt. There's a reason why California is bankrupt. Something has got to happen. There's got to be an entire new money system, and it's got to be based upon something other than debt. That's a revelation, Chris. Our system right now is based on debt how much we owe, how much other people owe us, and that's how we do transition. But what would happen if we just wiped out the entire money system and come up with another money system based upon gold? Do you know that people right now are hiding and hoarding gold? You know, the song talks about a piece, in the last days, a piece of bread will buy a bag of gold. And, and many of us, because we've never studied prophecy or don't really have an interest in it, don't understand that there are things falling in place right now that God gave us gifts... And God gave us the ability to protect ourselves and to be ready when all this takes place. I know everybody's buying food, and I appreciate that. I'm looking into that. But I have a feeling that before there is a great tribulation, 
before all hell pours out of heaven upon this earth i got a feeling you and i are going to be raptured out let me say i hope you and i are raptured out i hope that god takes us out and we don't have to do all the rationing and lose water lose power and lose all of that because i i believe the lord is going to take us out of the tragedy and come this earth you know why because we didn't crucify the son of glory we are the church we love him we respect him we honor him we praise him we worship him we are his child and i cannot see god leaving his child here but to be slammed over seven years of tribulation this was not my notes but i thought i'd just throw it out there wouldn't cost anything i want everybody to say everything's okay because the government is upon his shoulders and he will set up his kingdom of his kingdom there will be no end the second gift that he gives us is the fact that he's wonderful I love the second song on Bruno Mars' CD. It says, you're, 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 you're excellent in every... There's nothing I would change about you. You're awesome in every way. That's the God that we serve. That's the relationship that we have with the, the son that we serve. He is wonderful. Everything about him is wonderful. There's nothing about Christ that is not wonderful. Can I get a witness in this place? The third thing that he is, he is the counselor. There's nobody that can give you counsel like Jesus. You know what the word says? My sheep know my voice, the voice of another, they will not father. He is the everlasting father. Well, he never had kids. He never got married. Yes, he is father. When, when the blood hit the dirt and the church was born, he became the father of the church through all of eternity. So you and I are not just brothers, but we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. And he is our father that represents us in heaven. Does that bless anybody? We know the fourth thing that he is, he, the fifth thing that he has brought into our life is that he's not just a God. He's a mighty God can i get a witness when you look at the old testament all the things that he did new testament the things he's still doing today he is a mighty god and lastly he is the prince of peace you cannot watch any news media and find that somebody is murdering somebody a guy drove his truck because his ex-girlfriend would not would not say something to him he chased her down the road chased her like a like a like a dog's chasing a deer and she rented a convenience store. He ran his truck right through the convenience store, almost killed everybody in it. You look at, you look at parents putting their babies in the trunk of a car and, and, and drugging them so they can go out dancing and, and have a good time. The world that we're living in is a very troubled world. The drugs have become so, so pandemic that the doctor's solution to your problem is to medi medicate you. But aren't you glad today that God has promised to send his son and that he would be the prince of peace and he would give us the peace that passeth all understanding. Now, if I've got to come down there and preach it, shout while I'm preaching this, it could take a little longer. Matthew, the second chapter, let's go there very, very... I caught myself. I did not end the sentence with an object of a preposition. Matthew, let's go there quickly. Not very quickly, but quickly. The second chapter. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, of Judea, the place of praise, how cool is that? When Jesus was born in the house of bread, the place of praise, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said, Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet. It was a minor prophet by the name of Micah. That out of the least of the tribes, Jesus would come forth from the town of Bethlehem. 
And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. Huh, you said that. Wow. Then Herod, when he privily called the wise men, inquired them diligently what time the star appeared. It's very important. Sent them back to Bethlehem and said, Go and search for the child. And when you found him, bring me word again that I may also come and worship him also. Herod had no intentions of worshiping Christ. And, the, and, the, and all the staff that he asked about where Jesus would be born thought it so unimportant. Jerusalem was only five miles from Bethlehem. But not a single one of those religious men went to Bethlehem to find if he really was the Christ. Does that help anybody? Does that bless anybody? There is a possibility that there could have been more than three wise men. The reason we put three at our nativity is because they brought three gifts. In all reality, probably the wise men were not at the cave. Uh, let's, let's read a little farther, if we may. They saw the star the night he was born, and they began to pursue the star. And if they were to come from, from China, wherever they come from, to get to Bethlehem, it probably took them a little over two years to get there. Does that help anybody? Because the Bible says they did not come to the manger, but notice where they came. When they heard the, Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed below the star, which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child, not the babe, where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. And then when they were coming <coughs> into the what? house, not the manger, when they come to the house, they saw the young child, remember, not a babe, with Mary's mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed in their country another way. And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take up the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. You know the story. They did exactly what the angel told them to do. And sure enough, Herod, when he realized the wise men did not come back, Herod sent an entourage to Bethlehem, and he kills all the babies, not, not wrapped in swaddling clothes, but two years and younger to make sure that, that, that the Messiah was destroyed. But God already woke up the parents in a dream and told them, leave right now. It's not safe. Stay in Egypt until Herod died. Herod dies within just a few years, so we're not sure exactly how long Jesus stayed in Egypt. But the Bible says it was prophesied that he would bring the holy child out of Egypt just as he brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt and gave them the promised land. Am I helping anybody in the place today? It's very important that there are some things you understand. We, in our theology, we have given all the wise men names and we made them all kings and we even give a definition as to what they look like. And I know this is all simply theology. This is all simply ideology. Uh, whether, whether they were kings, whether, whether there were three we're not sure, but we do know that their visit to the house of Jesus caused him drama. Let me say that again. If an entire entourage from Saudi Arabia showed up at your house tomorrow and knocked on your door and presented themselves and fell down and worshipped your son and left millions of dollars worth of gifts, how many knows it would get the neighborhood's attention? And how many knows the neighborhood begin to talk? And when Herod, who's looking for a young child, hears that 
the wise men went to the house of Jesus instead of coming back to where he was and reporting. How many knows that Herod was, would have sent another entourage to where Jesus was at? Let me tell you something. God's visit in your life can cause drama. God's prediction or prophecy in your life can cause drama. I remember when I, when I served the enemy, nobody really cared how I wore my hair. When I served the enemy, nobody cared whether I wore socks or underwear. Come on. When I, when, I, when I served the enemy, nobody cared where I spent my nights. Nobody cared if I... I, I mean, when you, when you think about it, when you were in the world, nobody gave a flying flip. But the moment, look at someone say, the moment, the twinkling of an eye, you got saved, everybody had an opinion. You got to cut your hair. You got to stop doing this. You got to go to this church. You got to drive this kind of car. You got to have this translation of the Bible. Come on. So when, when God shows up at your house with an on-time word, don't expect the enemy to step back and just and just take it. Don't 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 let him don't 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 you ever think that he is he thinks that he'll let you accept that. You know why? He dropped the ball with Jesus. Had he known who Jesus was, he never would have killed him. He dropped the ball with Billy Graham. He dropped the ball with Marcus and Joni. There have been some areas that Satan should have done something. He didn't do it because he had no clue what God had in mind. Aren't you glad the enemy has no clue what God has for you? But he can sense that anointing. He can sense that direction of favor, and he'll try to, to, to take you out. He'll try to hurt you and wound you. So see, notice what happens. Very good possibility. Every citizen of Israel had their own vineyard. Every citizen of, of Israel had their own olive orchard. Every citizen of Israel had their own way to make money. Joseph was a carpenter, probably had some land probably had some grapes, probably had some olives. But when he had to flee in the middle of the night, he had nothing except, you ready? Large quantities of gold, large quantities of frankincense, and large quantities of myrrh. Now, there's a reason for those gifts in the spirit. But in the physical where you and I live, for us to do what God has called us to do in the last days, if it's God's will, it's got to be God's bill. There are some of you here this morning that have the anointing of, a, of an entrepreneur, and there are some of this building that have the anointing of a philanthropist. Hello. If God is going to do some of the things he said he's going to do in the last days, there has got to be some of you raised up in the house that, that, that you make so much money, you don't know what to do with it. That's why you have a pastor who always knows what to do with it. Hello. When, when, you, when you realize that we're getting ready to step into, watch this, guys. When you step into the last of the last, God will finance the end-time harvest. He will not do it through the world. He will do it through you. He'll give you a dream. He'll give you a thought. He'll give you a, You were created for greatness. You were wrapped in destiny. You were wrapped in character. Your, your, your abilities will take you to the top. Your character will keep you there. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. You have a plan. The Bible says, let them shout and rejoice for joy that the Lord hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. But not, not prosper to the degree that I can drive two BMWs. That'd be tough at one time. I drove two jet skis at one time. Two BMWs, have a Rolex on every wrist and every ankle. No, there's a reason other God blesses us than those kind of gifts. It's okay to, to eat the this, this spoil. Don't muzzle the oxen. Let him, let him be blessed. You should be blessed in your favor. But by the same token, don't build your house while the house of God is lying in waste. No, there's a reason why God said, don't forget me. Watch this. Because I give you power to get wealth. 
that, that thought, that idea, that, that job, that's all God. That's all God's saying if he can trust you with everything. He asked Peter, how much do you love me? Lord, I, I love you more than all these. Feed my sheep. The commitment that Je Jesus wanted from Peter was to realize you're probably going to die. You're probably going to lose it all. You're probably going to be crucified upside down. Do you really love me that much? Absolutely. But listen, this is not the season for dying. This is not the season for martyrdom. This is to step up the plate and be what God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and let him bless you, accept that blessing, walk in it, and enjoy it. Am I talking to anybody in the building? The reason for the gold, gold was always a gift given to a king. The Bible says it is wise to give gifts unto a king. Well, why would you give a king who has everything a gift? Why would you give a king who has everything? Why would you give him a gift? Because, he's, because he sees your nature, your attitude, your affection. as something you want to do. And what happens when you bless a king? A king turns around and blesses you. Am I helping anybody in the... I've been doing this a long time. And for eight years, I traveled the nation and the world. There are churches that I went back to three times a year. I went to churches that the only guest they had was Mar Marillo. Uh, uh, help me. Oh, the, or Nancy Harmon, Marvel, Nancy Harmon, and Steve Brock. And the church had me back three times, and I said, why? I said, why, why, do, you, why do you keep having us back? You've got all these guests that want to come. Why, 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 am, why am I here? The pastor said, because you are the only evangelist that we ever had that after you left, you sent my wife a beautiful flower display, and then you called and said, hey, did I share anything that hurts you? Did I share anything confusing, anything that I need to do? I said, you're the only guest that we ever had that did that. Hello, it's wise to give gifts. There's a reason why we give gifts. I'm raising up several evangelists right now. Pastor Jeremy and I spent an hour talking about how do you get a meeting? How do you keep that relationship alive? How do you bless that friendship? How do you continue to grow? By giving gifts. 2 Corinthians 12 and... Oh, some notes somewhere. I'll find it for you. But the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. He loves it when you're blessed and you're able to go above and beyond and bless somebody else. Come on, somebody say amen to us because you guys are a bunch of givers. The reason for the gold is because he is the king of kings. So symbolically, the gold was to identify him as a king, but physically it was to support his ministry while he was in Egypt. Come on. I have a stamp collection I would love to sell. It's probably worth a lot of money. My challenge is, I don't know anybody that I can trust. I probably have one stamp that's worth $20,000. I'm not exaggerating. I have the number three warrior base ever made. Am I telling the truth, Bryce? I have the number three. Of all the instruments that warriors ever done, I have number three. They don't know where the first ten are. They have valued my base at $60,000. I told them twice, I'd take $30,000. It's like a gold-plated toilet. It's worth a lot of money. Got to find somebody that wants it. Come on now. That's, that's why he got the gold. The frankincense was an an ingredient is very important. Can I have five more minutes? Who's that? Five more minutes. Where are you? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. In the apothecary, which was a sacred, holy potpourri that God said, if you use the ingredients for anything else, I'll strike you dead. There are five ingredients. How about that? And all five of these ingredients, you had to go through some kind of harvest to get it. To get the sap of the, of the apothecary, you had to whack the tree. Sometimes we whack, we bleed, and God blesses it. Come on. Sometimes bad, bad times turn us back to God. Come on. 
things that go on in our life will say, man, I've got to run towards. It's not a matter of just, it's running to him. I've got to run to him. The name of the Lord is a high tower that righteous run into it, and they're safe. So, so sometimes when you look, look at your worship, there's a cost to my worship. I could have thrown the towel in. I could have said to hell with everything. I could, have, I could have done this with my life. I could have done that with my life. But no, I stayed the course. I stayed on path. I stayed focused. And through all the pain and hurt, I am who I am today because I survived. I didn't quit. I'm preaching better than you're, you're not. Now, that, frankincense, that frankincense was one of the ingredients that the priest took to the apothecary, the altar of, of, of incense, and he would take those hot coals and take that pulpit and put it in a censer, and then he would go beyond the veil but with first he would enter that fragrance that God would recognize that fragrance and accept that priest. Your worship has a fragrance. If you're not careful, sometimes you approach God with stinky theology. Well, I'm here. Bless me if you can. Well, I'm here. I need a breakthrough. Well, I'm here. I need a word. I just need a pack of cigarettes. I'm, I just, I'm here. I just need a pack of cigarettes. But when you approach God for who he is, not because of who you are or what you've done, but because of who he is, how great and awesome he is, when you approach him, you're, you're, you're afraid. I promise you, you, you guys look at me like I have ten heads. There's going to come a day when you're going to stand before God and he's going to go, oh, eternity. Oh, wait a minute. You're Polo. Oh, you're happy. You're Clinique. You're, 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 you're Estanche. You're, uh, oh, you're, you're, you're Justin Bieber's cologne. Yeah, I, I recognize that smell. I know you guys think I'm crazy, but each one of us have a different fragrance that God recognizes us according to the scent that we present to him. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning. Man, aren't you glad today that, that you're one of the top perfumes that God loves? God loves you. You're a Paul Sebastian. You're a, you're a attorney. What's that stuff you wear, Matt? Opium? Angel? What a, what a great name for a great cologne, right? I mean, Marilyn, I mean uh, Elizabeth Taylor has her own fragrance. Uh, Route 21 is pink. Every one of I, I, I know you think I'm crazy, but, but you all worship differently. You all approach God differently, and God recognizes you by your fragrance. The purpose of the frankincense was because Jesus was the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and God allowed that gift to be brought to represent the fact he's not just the king of kings. He's not just the Lord of lords, but he's that high priest that's going to enter once and for all with his own blood and pay for the sins of the world. That ought to excite somebody prophetically. The myrrh, the myrrh was only a gift given at death. The myrrh was placed in the tomb so the stench of, of death would not overwhelm them. You remember when they went to roll the stone away with Lazarus? They said, Lord, by now he stinketh. So myrrh did not have a long-lasting effect, but myrrh gave them the ability to take care of the dead. Let the dead bear the dead. The word says in John I wrote this down for those of you that would like to look it up. John 19 and 37. When Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus went and asked for the body of Jesus, it was granted them. They got the, they got the body from Pilate, and the Bible says they went to Joseph's tomb, and there they wrapped the body of Jesus and placed the body of Jesus. Are you ready for this? With 50 pounds of frankincense and 50 pounds of aloe. They put 100 pounds of spices in that, in, that, in, that, in that room before they rolled the stone to seal the door. What is so ironic, three Gospels tells us of when they ran into the tomb, they saw the, they saw the grave clothes, they saw the napkin folded neatly at the top of the head, which you, you all know what that means. The napkin fo- How many don't know what that, that means? 
you don't know why the napkin was folded. You don't wave your hand at me. In the days of Christ, there were a lot of feasts, feasts that could last for days at a time. You were assigned to place, and there you would eat. If you got done eating, you simply took the, 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 the cloth they provided, you wiped everything off, and you threw your cloth down at, at, your, at, your, at your table. And the crumbs fell from your cloth, and it, fell the, it fed the, the Lazarus. But if you weren't done eating, you would fold your napkin a certain way, and you set it at your place, and that told all of the servants, I'm not done, I'll be right back. When they ran and saw that, that napkin, it meant, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm not gone far. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will come again and receive you. I mean, how incredible. Does that excite anybody? But where's the aloe and myrrh? What does Abigail weigh? About 100 pounds? Abigail, about 100 pounds? 70? Who weighs 100? Where are you? You weigh 100. Matt weighs 100. Matt's left leg weighs 100. Donnie's beard weighs 100. Okay, can you, can you imagine 100 pounds of something placed in a tomb and then for them to be so, so particular and so precise that they would talk about the napkin, the grave clothes, but no one mentions the aloe or the, or the frankincense or the myrrh? No one mentions that? I believe Jesus approached the holy of holies of heaven with his own blood and with his own fragrance. I believe he took 50 pounds of frankincense. I believe he took 50 pounds of, of aloe and he stood before God and God recognized the, the fragrance of his... <laughs> oh, you're not, you're not hearing me. God recognized the fragrance of his son and he extended his throne and said, Thou art God, the kingdom is forever. God gave everything that he owned and gave it to Jesus. Jesus came back to the upper room and said, All power both in heaven and earth is given to me. Now I give it to you. He went back to heaven he said now you heal the sick you raise the dead you open blind eyes the story God gave us the power to Jesus Jesus gave it to us and now he's expecting us to what operate in it oh come on give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation thank you Lord let me move quickly oh I don't have time for that okay we know that God gave gifts Jesus gave gifts and the Holy Spirit gave gifts. For, this, for the sake of time, I will very quickly mention the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Nine gifts the Holy Spirit wrapped under the tree of Calvary for you. What is so ironic in the natural, you have to have seven of these gifts to become a child of God. Are you ready? Somewhere, someone told you that the only way to heaven was through Jesus. That's called wisdom. And you were smart enough to take that wisdom and accept Christ as your Savior. That's called knowledge. Am I helping anybody? You now believe no matter what happens to you, one day you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven. He's going to raise your dead stuff and you're going to be alive and live forever. That's called faith. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're nodding. You came before God with all kinds of baggage. You came before God with all kinds of, all kinds of crud, all kinds of pain. He washed you with hyssop, made you white as snow. That's called healing. Our emotions have been healed. Our spirits have been healed. Our, our, our marriages have been healed. Come on. And then all of a sudden, he gives you the gift of miracles. Listen, if you believe that God's going to raise you from the dead, you're going to live forever, then you need to put that faith in action and start praying for somebody that needs a miracle, somebody needs a healing, because you'd be surprised how God may just use you. 
Then we talk about prophecy. You cannot read the Bible without prophesying. Listen, you cannot read the Bible without prophesying. When you believe what the Word of God says, thus saith the Lord, this is what will take place, you become a prophet. But here's one I love. Some he gave different tongues. Some he gave interpretation of tongues. You've heard stories, phenomenal, incredible stories. Pastor Ron and myself, I love the story that Perry tells. That he was praying somewhere in tongues, and there was a, some kind of Indian, some kind of weird somebody there, and they heard Perry speak in perfect, their, their language perfectly. You can research it. It's, he's, he's got it documented. But I think, I think what is so wild and crazy is that Brian got filled with the Holy Spirit a couple of weeks ago. Well, Brian got a job Monday. So it was a good job. A good job. And he get paid this money so he can eat. But since then, he hasn't missed any meals. It's obvious. Brian told his boss that he was filled with the Spirit. And his boss told Brian, I'm filled with the Spirit too. He's from, he's from Ukraine. And so he starts praying in tongues, the, 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 the boss. And Brian said he gets chills all over. Yep, that's the Holy Ghost. Isn't that funny that we can be around someone from another country, another, can't speak their language, don't any other custom, but they start praying in tongues, and all of a sudden there's a witness there. There's, a, there's something. We are in covenant together. I can love you and, and build you up because we are in covenant together. It was 31 years ago, almost this time of year, first Sunday night in February, I went there addicted to everything, hopeless, hurting, trouble, Weighed about 110 pounds. Had not medicated since the night before. Did not sleep all night. Went to church on a Sunday night. Messing in tongues, interpretation. You've heard my testimony. Messing in tongues, a little stouter interpretation. Messing in tongues, a serious interpretation. The, the, the power of speaking in tongues, interpretation, is what got me from that pew, that altar. I didn't want to go, but God warned me, this is it. The line's been drawn in the sand. This is, there's... There's no more chance that the enemy sought after you. If you don't submit, he's going to get you. Little grandma got me, took the altar, and I prayed. That was 31 years ago. 27 years ago in Dalton, Georgia, preaching one of the greatest churches in the nation, divorced. Pastor Rhonda comes to hear me preach. And in an altar service the second time, she begins to speak in tongues. I have the interpretation. It has nothing to do with us, but it had everything to do with us. It healed our marriage right there on the spot. We remarried, been married 27 years. Somebody needs to give God glory. We know not how to pray for as we ought. So the Holy Spirit makes moanings which cannot be interpreted. Moanings and groanings in the Spirit for us. It pays to have those two gifts work in your life. And listen, I call them gifts. The magician tried to buy the gift of speaking in tongues from Paul. See, we, we place so little value on, on being filled with the Spirit in tongues. Melinda was so kind a few weeks ago, was dating a young man and, and wanted to know what, what, what does it mean to be Pentecostal? Wow, can you answer that question? What does it mean to be Pentecostal? I, I texted her back and I said, we believe the Bible, all of it. Full, Pentecostal or full gospel. We believe everything the Bible says. There's a, there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. There's, there's healing. There's miracles. There's all, we believe everything the Bible says. And then we believe that we can be filled with the power of God, speak the language of God that the angels speak in, and we can operate all the gifts and fruits. I think that's what I told you. We are a blood-bought-based church. That's what we are. We are a spirit-filled community that we believe that God can do whatever he wants to do. Josh, if you'll come help me. I'm, I am not done. 
but I'm going to conclude. And this will be my only conclusion. Most of you cannot relate to the extreme weather of Detroit, Michigan or Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can't relate to living with, you make sure you have salt before you go to bed. That never, make sure you have a shovel before you go to bed. There are things in Minnesota and Michigan that they experience that you don't ever experience. Don't ever buy a used car from Michigan. Nine times out of ten, the hole underneath is rotted out. Am I telling the truth? Where's Fraser? One day, just short of a blizzard, a Christian businessman left the track that he lived in, left the home he lived in, turned and got out on the main drag, and there he saw a little boy. 10, 12 years old. This little boy had a stack of newspapers and became apparent to this businessman that this little boy was selling newspapers. Almost blizzard weather. He noticed the boy, Carol, did not have a big heavy top coat, did not have a shawl, did not have a toboggan, did not have gloves on. Noticed that his pants had holes in them, frayed, worn. Pity, then compassion. Hit that man. Stopped the car, rolled down the window. He said, here, son, take this money. I want to buy the rest of your paper. I want to buy all your papers. You don't need to be in weather like this. You need to go home and get by the fire and get warm. Little boy took the money and said, thank you, sir, for the buying my papers. And he said, but I don't have a phone. My mom and dad were killed in a car accident when I was eight years old. Several months I got handed from one family to another, then nobody really wanted me. I live in an orphanage right down the road. I don't have a fireplace. I don't have a home. Again, pity, then compassion. Touch this businessman. He said, son, you see this house right here in the corner, the one with the wrought iron around the gate? I want you to go talk on that door right now. When you knock on that door, someone's going to answer. And when they answer, all I want you to do is to say three words. John 316. Little boy handed him his papers, took the money, put it. First time he'd ever sold all of his papers. First time. Very timidly walked down this beautiful sidewalk. Snow. Walked up the steps. Beautiful oak door. Stained glass insert. Took the wrapper, knocked on it. Right away, this real nice-looking woman answered the door. Very pleasant. Saw him standing there and said, Son, what can I do for you? It's too cold for you to be out like this. What, what are you doing? Little boy looked at him very, very shyly. He said, John 3.16. All of a sudden, Mike, a great big smile got on her face. And she said, Come on in the house. She brought him to the house and took him over to the fireplace. and said, Stand there by the fireplace and make yourself warm. I'll be right back. So he goes over, this fire roaring in the fireplace. He gets as close as he can, gets his hands warm, turns around, gets his backside warm. First time Keith had been warm all winter. First time he'd been warm all winter. A few minutes later, she comes back to the room and says, Hey, if you're warm, I want you to come to the kitchen. I got a, I got a surprise for you. He walks in the kitchen, and there on the snack bar is this great big bowl of soup, a big old stack of crackers, and a glass of ice cold. She said, she said, son, eat all you want. There's plenty more on the stove. He ate every bit of that soup, ate every one of those crackers, drank that milk. Tummy was full. First time he'd been full all winter.
The son, if you're done eating, I want you to come upstairs. I got a surprise for you. He followed this beautiful spiral, spiral staircase, beautiful paintings on the wall, beautiful carpet. She led him into a master bathroom. And the son, there's your tub full of warm water. I've drawn the water. Enjoy the bath. Stay as long as you want. He got in that bathtub and he began to squirt the water with his hands. He began to soap himself down. He stayed there so long that his fingers got all crinkly. How many can relate? First hot bath he'd had all winter. Stepped out. She knocked on the door. And she said, at, at the door, there's some clothes. Try them on. See what you think. Stepped outside. Beautiful pair of flannel pajamas. He put them on. It was almost like they were custom, custom made. Fit him, fit him perfectly. He stepped out in the hallway with his pajamas on. He just said, I want to show you something. She led him into a beautiful master bedroom. And she said, son, this is your bed tonight. He said, matter of fact, the owner called and make sure you're okay. And the owner wants you to know that you can live here as long as you want. This is now your house. Good night. I'll see you in the morning. She stepped out of the room, began to walk down the hallway, then remembered she didn't turn the lights off. So she went back to the room, stepped to reach for the light switch, and Pastor Price, she saw this little boy kneeling at the side of his bed. Had his hands cupped, had his face towards heaven, and he's praying. She really shouldn't have listened, but she did. And she heard this little boy say, God, I don't know what John 3, 16 says. I never went to Sunday school. I never had a Bible. No one ever told me stories of the Bible. But God, I do know this. John 3, 16 sold all my papers. I've never sold all my papers. God, John 3, 16 got me worn by the fireplace. Lord, I haven't been worn all, all winter. God, John 3.16 got me a bowl of soup and crackers and milk. First time in a long time, God, that I've been full. God, John 3.16 got me a hot bath. And look, God, a bedroom all my own. God, I just didn't think it would be fair if I went to bed without thanking you for John 3.16. I'm so glad today that for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us the ability to sell all our papers. He gave us the ability to stand before a warm fireplace. He gave us the ability to be fed. He gave us the ability to have a bath, to have a bed with clean sheets. Only God can do that. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. If you're here today and you've wandered away from God, I'm here to tell you, presence under the tree is not going to bring satisfaction taking your credit card and maxing it out on all kinds of gifts for yourself is not going to bring satisfaction. Giving your money away to some beggar on the street is not going to bring you satisfaction. Only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is what's going to bring you satisfaction. And if you're here this morning, you've wandered away from God. I'm, I'm, I want to assume this morning that everyone's a believer, but I, I never want to not give an opportunity. If you do not know the Lord as your Savior and you've wandered away from God and today you feel like you need to recommit, I will not embarrass you. I promise you I'll not come back to you. I'll not send somebody for you. That's not the way Jesus operated. That's not the way we operated. But if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, would you put your hand up and right back down? Is there anybody? We're all, we're all family. We're all part of the family of God. 
Thank you, Lord, for the gifts under the tree. Thank you for the, the, the time we're getting ready to spend with our family. But God, it wouldn't be fair if I didn't stop and thank you just for a minute for the gift that you gave me cost you the life of your son. The gift you gave me cost a demotion. He left the right hand and came to earth in a vessel of clay. The gift you gave me caused humiliation and suffering and pain, death and resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for John 3.16. That's your heart this morning. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation?